Tonight will be our last uh, lesson in the book of Proverbs. And tonight we're going to look at the thought of wisdom regarding riddles. In the prologue of Proverbs, among the purposes of the book, is stated this very thing. To understand a proverb and an enigma, the words of the wise and their riddles, Proverbs 1 and verse 6. There's a lot of riddles and a lot of words and a lot of statements that made are made throughout Proverbs, as we've seen in this study, that maybe you may read this and you're like, what is that talking about? And then you read on down and maybe you'll find out or you read back prior before it and you'll find out exactly what it, what it means. According to one commentary, the Proverbs that begin with clusters of questions may be classified as riddles or their offspring. Now, as we read uh, tonight in Proverbs 23 and 29 through 30, you would look at that and you would say, well, that's about alcohol. Well, you're right. It is about alcohol. But that is one, <clears throat> one of the riddles. If you only stopped at one point, you would say, well, who hath woes? Who hath sorrow? Who hath contentions? Who hath babbling or complaining? Who hath wounds without cause? Who hath redness of eyes? Now, we could tie that to a whole lot of things, couldn't we? But if you go on below it, it says... That happens to those that tarry long at the wine, and they go to seek mixed wine. And it goes on and gives you some other thoughts concerning the strong drink that we find in Proverbs. But as many, and also in, in, in Proverbs, uh, as maybe some of the numerical sayings in chapter 6 and verse 30, you see the numerical saying there sevenfold. A lot of times you see those references throughout the book using numbers and those things. And among the, the more picture things, uh, the riddles, are those numerical sayings of King Agar. Now containing observations of common things in groups of four or more. Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 1 uh, starts that with us as the words of Agar, the son of Jacob, even the prophecy the man spoke unto Ithiel, even unto Ithiel and Ucal. And he goes on, and as you read uh, concerning uh, this, this king, and in this study tonight, I hope we can consider the numerical sayings of this king, first posing them in the form of actual riddles, for example's sake. Number one I want us to think about tonight is what are four classes of evildoers? According to Proverbs chapter 30 and verse 11, there is a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. So what are four classes of evildoers? Number one, those that despise their parents. We have a lot of young people sitting in our midst tonight. And in Proverbs 30 and verse 11, it says that this is a, there's a generation that curseth their father and doth not bless their mother. 
And I guess I ask you the question tonight, as young people, and I guess some of us old that still have our mothers and fathers living, do you curse them? Do you despise them? Do you not bless your mother? You see, that's the question. And I've been there with you, younger and older. Younger and older. Boy, I used to get so mad at my parents. How many of y'all ever got mad at your parents? Yeah, <laughs> every one of you, did you? I can't believe that they won't let me do this. Or I can't believe they won't let me wear this. Or let me go here. Or go there. Oh, we used to get so, or I did, I used to get so tore up. And then when I began, became that way, I would take and intentionally not do things. Any of you kids done that? Oh, yeah, I'm going to get back at you. I'm going to get you. But I'm going to tell you what, it, no matter how bad I tried or didn't try, it, I, it never worked out for me. Okay? And let me tell you, young people, it will never work out for you to the good. It may be for the moment, but it will never in the long run work out for the good. For that young person to take, and, and, and what am I saying? Well, cursing, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't use profanity toward them. Well, you don't have to to curse them. Your actions and your words and your sharp words, or what my mama used to call, said, you got a smart mouth, boy. Till she closed it a few times with the back of her hand. You see, that's the wrong attitude. What are four classes of the evildoers? Proverbs 30, 11 brings that out. Those who curse their fathers and do not bless their mothers. And I'm going to tell you, fathers, I've said this many, many times. We as spiritual leaders in our home need to ensure that our children give their mothers the proper respect in the home. And it's your job as a spiritual leader in that home to make sure that happens. Now, whether that's through whatever your discipline system is or whatever the case may be, we need to make sure as fathers that our children are not disrespecting their mothers. Now, I've always had to say in my house, they may hate me, but they will never disrespect their mother in my presence. And we often should hold our mothers to a high regard in that sense. And sometimes we fathers have to make sure that happens. But what about concerning <clears throat> Proverbs 30 and verse 17? The eye that mocketh at his father and despiseth to obey his mother, the ravens of the valley shall pick it out and the young eagle shall eat it. Hmm. Pretty good riddle there, isn't it? <laughs> you can also cross-reference chapter 20 and verse 20 uh, with that same, uh, same verse. Who curseth his father or his mother is his lamp shall be put out in obscure darkness. Remember me making a statement that it will not work out for you in the long run? 
If someone's lamp is put out in obscure darkness, means that it's not a good thing. <laughs> You're going to be in a dark place with no light. And let me tell you, young people, that's a, a lot of young people who have gone before you have found themselves in that dark light. Those who, again, you know, uh, continue to, to bring grief to their, to their parents, that the, the eye that mocketh at his father and despises to obey his mother. Y'all remember as a kid when your parents would do something, they would tell you to do something, whatever, and you'd walk away and you'd be mumbling something. Y'all remember that? Is I'm the only one that done that? Because I'd be mumbling something and they'd say, what'd you say? And what'd we say? Nothing. Till one day that I wanted to be brave and I said, I'm going to say what was under my breath. It didn't work out good. It didn't work out good for me. That was a bad day. So let me give you a bit of warning. Don't ever say what's under your breast. <laughs> That's what they always call it. What'd you say? Just say nothing and move on. That's the smartest thing you can do. Uh, coming from a 52-year-old man that done it many times. So again, it depicts here that these, those who despise their parents, whose end is graphically depicted later in this chapter. So what about another group? talked about the young people and despising their parents and, and not even just our young people our, our young adults sometimes do this even when they leave home and I think that that's just something that we need you know to think about and address as we're talking tonight as well you know even when we leave home does not give us the ticket to say oh now I can disrespect you that's not the ticket either that's not the route to go either we're to honor those parents. And the Bible doesn't say to honor them if they were perfect. If they didn't do this or didn't do that or, or failed at this or failed at that. The Bible says for us to honor the parent. Because parents are going to make mistakes. There's not a parent sitting in this room tonight that did not make a mistake parenting. None of us. If you did, I'd love for you to write a book because it sure would help our generation. So, what about this next group? Those that are blind to their faults, who are clean to their own eyes, but not washed of their filth. Proverbs 30 and verse 12. Peer in their own eyes, yet is not washed from their filthiness. <clears throat> Proverbs chapter 21 and verse 2. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord pondereth the hearts. We talked about God's word being written on our heart this morning, didn't we? Now I want you to think about this. This, the four groups of evildoers now. We've talked about those who cursed their parents and, and despised their mothers and those things. And now we're talking about those who, who look at themselves as being pure, who may justify themselves but will be judged by the Lord. But they see themselves there in 30 and 12 
as a generation that are as pure in their own eyes. Now you think about our generation and, and people in the world today. Most people in the world, and our young people as well, see themselves as doing what? What's right. This is what's right. Why? Because they associate themselves so much with the majority of the world. I'm going along with the majority. You see, it is up to us as Christians to be in the minority rather than the majority. You need to pride yourselves as Christian people, as I, as I try to do with my own self, as being in the minority and not looking at, and you look at the world today and our generation and this country and things, and we often say our young people, but it's not all their fault. Those young people had parents that raised them. Those young people had parents that raised those parents. Somewhere along that line of raising children, we've lessened the respect. We've lessened of how they act. We've lessened of what we command of them or what we expect of them. Somewhere along the way. So therefore, if a child is... And I'm going to tell you, a lot of it is the philosophy that we see in our educational world today. And I see this a lot in, in the situation that I work, when I'm working with children with behavior and those types of things. Because I have to skirt around this and, and try to still be old school in some ways. Because now the philosophy in raising children is never, never speak negatively to that child. Well, I'm just sorry to tell you, you have to speak negative to a child sometimes. Now, if you speak to them all the time that way, guess what? They're going to be that way. But we have become, as a generation of parenting and grandparenting and aunts and uncles of raising children, that we don't expect those things. And we're, we're, we're I guess we could say, I don't use the word lazy, but we're not, we're not looking for those opportunities. Parenting is a hard job. Parenting is a continuous, everyday job. It's not something you do just on Monday through Monday and Wednesday and Friday. It's something you do every day, 24 hours a day, sometimes at midnight, sometimes early in the morning, sometimes when you come home from work and you don't want to feel, you don't feel like having to be a parent. But we still have to be parents. Because if you tell a child continually that, oh, everything is great, you're good, you're good, you're good, you're good, guess what? They end up like this scripture right here. There's a generation that are pure in their own eyes and yet is not wasted from their or washed from their filthiness. So we have to think along those way, those ways. What about this third group? Those who arrogant. Hmm. Those who are arrogant. Proverbs 30 verse 13 calls it with lofty eyes who lift their eyelids high. If you're just reading that, you just you think, well. What does that mean? <laughs> With lofty eyes who lift their eyelids high. Oh, we have to protect against arrogance, don't we? We need to teach our, our children, teach each other to be humble and humility, have humility. 
Proverbs 6 and verse 17 clearly condemns this type of attitude. It condemns that, that arrogancy that I'm better than you or let me look down. You've heard the phrase, if, if it should rain, they'll what? Drown. Because they got their nose so stuck up. You've heard that. But Proverbs 6 and 17, a proud look is one of those six things that the Lord hates. A proud look, someone who's proud. Now, I'm not taking. I'm not saying that we can't be have pride in ourselves, but it needs to be the right kind of pride, right? Doesn't mean to be to be that pride, pride that oh, I'm better than you are, either in physical wealth or material wealth, or even in spirituality. Sometimes people deal with that as well. Proverbs 21 and verse four speaks to that same thought as well of of being arrogant. What about those who consume the poor? Proverbs 30 and verse 14 says, There's a generation whose teeth are as swords and their jaw teeth as knives to devour the poor from off the earth and the needy from among men. Proverbs 22 and verse 16 says, Those whom themselves will come to poverty. And I can sit here and tell you tonight that such conduct of those who consume the poor is indicative of an evil generation and evidenced by some living in the last days, uh, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. We live in such a world today that people (coughs) try so hard (coughs) to... uh, they try so hard to 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 get uh, to take advantage of people. Anyway, some way, somehow, can I get ahead of you? Can I avenge you? Can I get take advantage of you in some way? Someone's misfortune. We live in a generation like that. That's what they're speaking of. You know, it's all about the mighty dollar, isn't it? Money, 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 money. Money, 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 money. Now, having a lot of money is not a problem, is it? But it's how we use that money, the attitude we gain with that money. You know, as the scripture says, the love of money is the root of all evil. It didn't say money was evil, did it? It says the love of it. How we use it, how we uh, appear with it. And it's all about trying to overtake and have that status, we could say, in society. So continuing on with these thoughts, number two, those were four classes of, of evildoers. But number two, what things are never satisfied? Let's take that thought just for a moment. We looked at four classes of evildoers. So let's look at what things are never satisfied? <clears throat> now I want you to think about this with me. Being satisf- satisfied. Usually when we sit down to a meal, we usually will what? We'll eat till we are satisfied, right? How does that satisfaction come? Now for some, it's to where you can't breathe. You eat too much. 
Maybe that's older, over satisfaction, satisfaction, <laughs> satisfaction. Uh, but we eat till we're satisfied. We have a feeling that we are satisfied. Our body is full. Our stomach is full. Now, when you want to lose weight, they say to what? Shrink your stomach down. It will take less to what? Satisfy that feeling and that need. But let's take that concept and go with it. Things that are never satisfied. Proverbs 30 and verse 15 says, The horse leech hath two daughters crying, give, give. These are three things that are never satisfied. Yea, four things, say not, it is enough. Give and give. The leech here depicts those filled with insatiable greed. And they are never, ever satisfied. You know that a lot of times people find themselves, they find themselves in, unfortunately, in uh, that thought process of, of not ever being, being satisfied. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's really sad that people come to that, that point. Um, Ecclesiastes chapter 5 and verse 10 speaks to that same, same thought. And it says, uh, He that loveth silver shall not be satisfied with silver, nor he that loveth an abundance will with increase. This is also vanity. When goods, go on to verse 11, when goods increase, they are increased that eat... Uh, they are increased that eat them, and what good is there to the owners thereof, saving the beholding of them with their own eyes? So again, that horse leech being the one who picks those who are filled with unsatiable greed. Have you been greedy in your life? You think about that. Take, for instance, if you ever sold anything, and when you sell anything, yeah, we say, oh, it's got this value to it, and, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to get this much out of it, and, and, and then that's the other thing. And somebody comes and says, well, what's your bottom dollar? <coughs> we've, had to, we've been doing that. We've, we've been trading and going doing boats here lately and, and, uh, and, and trying to sell some things, this, that, and other. And, and, and it's, it's just hard not to say, man, if I give them this price, they may, have gave, they may have gave me a thousand more dollars if I'd ask them. Ain't that how we think sometimes? Oh, man, I could have got a thousand more dollars, but, man, how many times after I sell, I said, boy, I bet you he'd have gave me a thousand more dollars if I'd ask him. Sometimes that's the way we think, isn't it? We want to get the most out of what our value is. I understand that. But we need to be careful that it doesn't come Greed. And we're like this leech that we're never satisfied. People who are in that kind of business, you know, they're there to make a dollar and live. I always tell car salesmen, I said, I don't mind you making a living, but you're not going to retire on me. You know, we have to be sensible about that, don't we? Well, what about, <clears throat> we've looked at uh, things that are never satisfied, the leech, that greed. What about Proverbs 30 and verse 16? The grave 
Sheol and the barren womb, the earth that is not filled with water and the fire that saith not. It is, it is enough. The grave. Sheol, the word, Hebrew word for the dead, can never be filled. Proverbs 30, verse 16. Has to say, covetousness is insatiable like hell. Sheol and destruction. Proverbs 27 and verse, uh, <clears throat> verse 20, I believe it is, speaks to that same, that same thought. When it says to us there in verse 20, it says, Hell and destruction are never full, so the eyes of man are never satisfied. Remember, talking about those riddles of what things mean. Well, what about the barren womb? The woman who desperately wants to conceive and have a child and give birth. Maybe like Rachel said to Jacob, give me children or else I die. You see, a lot of things are never satisfied in life. And a lot of times we use our whole life trying to meet that satiation, don't we? And sometimes people never, never do. You look back at Genesis chapter 30 and verse 1. And when Rachel saw that she was barren, Jacob no children, Rachel envied her sister and said unto Jacob, Give me children or else I die. Could not ever find satisfaction, could she? A lot of people in the world today cannot be satisfied with just the way things are. I have to reference my good friend Jamie. He always says, it is what it is. <laughs> Sometimes that's just how we have to say it, isn't it? It is what it is. And we have to learn to be satisfied with that. And sometimes people never come to that satisfaction. What about the earth? The dry earth that absorbs rain, soon wanting more. Proverbs 30, verse 16 there again. Another illustration of that insatiable greed. What about the fire which consumes as long as combustible matter is available? Think about a fire. Fire is never satisfied, is it? As long as things are there to burn. You think about that in a spiritual sense or in our materialistic expense. It goes back kind of to say about our money. What does it say? It says, boy, he's got a dollar in his pocket and then it's, what's it, it's burning a hole in it. Right there, what's it saying? Boy, it used to, it used to be a penny <laughs> or a nickel. I think that's moved to a dollar or five dollars. Um, but they say, yes, burning a hole in his pocket. The final example of these things never satisfied is the five images appear designed of covetousness and greediness. Now for another one. Let's think about another way. What things are a wonder to behold? Proverbs 30, 18 and 19 the way of an eagle in the air, the grace and the speed of an eagle in flight. 
soaring high in the sky, but then leaving no evidence behind. You know, if you ever watched an airplane, you can see that fuel line, can't you? That smoke it leaves behind or whatever. Leaves a trace. Why? Because there's something there that's keeping it going. But that eagle, the wonder, things that are a wonder to behold. What about a way of a serpent on a rock? Proverbs 30, verse 19, the way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. The sailing ship taking back and forth, tacking back and forth. Progressing forward, but whose waves soon dissipate. The way of the adulterous woman or the man with a virgin in 30, verse 30, or chapter 30 and verse 19. How can that adulterous woman commit adultery and then claim innocence? See, this is the way. Tying these verses with preceding verses in, in, uh, helps us understand these riddles. She maneuvers toward, talking about the adulterous woman with affection and attraction and, and that eagle, but like that eagle and serpent and ship, believing she leaves nothing of substance behind. So things that are a wonder to behold. We could go on and on with different things. What about things that cause turmoil? Proverbs 30, 21 and 22. We could go on and on.